Welcome to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. For more information about Movement Church, including attending a worship experience, getting connected, or to give online, please visit movementcolumbus.com. Well, as, as promised, that was amazing, and I hope you're taking notes. Uh, I'm going to try the phone charger one when I get home, just because my phone can't seem to stay charged. So, uh, hey, this, this week we were, uh, we were preparing... Uh, and, and looking at bringing in some, some interns for the summer. And we were talking with them and, and uh, just talking about their experience. And uh, we, got, we got talking in the office, looking back, uh, thinking through summer jobs. And, and uh, I was thinking back to college and some of the jobs uh, that I had. And so I thought if it was okay, I would share some of those uh, with you today because it made me nostalgic and whimsical and all those fun words like that. So uh, one of the, the first jobs that I ever had uh, was, was the summer after my senior year of high school. And it was a job that was just down the road. Uh, I had a, a part-time job at my church, and so I needed to get another part-time job. And so there was a, a place just a few miles down the road uh, from my, my parents and my, my childhood home. And uh, it, was, it was a place that would repair semi-trailers. So basically, you always wonder, who's that driver that goes under a low bridge and rips the top off of a semi-trailer? Uh, well, we worked specifically with those guys, and, and we were the ones that would have to fix the problem. And so I think I've shared this story before. One time, there was a flour truck uh, not flowers like the, the ones that smell good, but like baking flour. There was a guy that drove under a bridge and ripped the top off, and so they, they, they brought the trailer to us, and they let the trailer sit outside all summer, and so the flour just got rained on and started to rot, and there were maggots and eggs and all kinds of stuff, and one day they were like, hey, Mark, can you shovel a truck full of flour out? And I was like, I would love to do that, guys. That would make me so happy, and so that was uh, my best memory from that job, but we would put new roofs on uh, uh, semi-trailers all summer, and I knew my first day at this job that it was not going to be great or go too well. We were sitting around talking at lunch, and the guys were kind of sharing life experience, and uh, one of, them, one of the guys said to me, uh, and I'm not, I'm not kidding, I'm not mocking this, but he, he said this. He said, hey, what, uh, what high school did you drop out of? And I, I was like, I actually just finished high school. And he started laughing. And he said, well, aren't you the smartest one here? And they, they proceeded to go around the circle. And everyone that I work with told me how they had not finished high school. And again, I'm not mocking that. I, I, but in that moment, I realized that they all resented me because I had. And so all summer, they called me fancy college man. And I was like, all right, this is... This is not going to go well, all right? And maybe that's why I had to shovel the, the flour. I don't know. But uh, that was one of the weirdest jobs I ever had. When I was uh, in seminary, I got a job. Uh, some of you don't know, but out in Indiana, where, where we lived at, is the orthopedic capital of the world. And so a lot of uh, knee inserts and spine corrective things and fake shoulders and all that stuff is made out there. And so I got a job uh, working in a laboratory because a friend had it. They would set up machines that would basically test knee inserts. And so they'd have this machine with like 10 of them and they would, they would just kind of uh, pretend that they were, they were walking. You would set them up in these, these vacuum bags of bovine serum. I still don't know what bovine serum is. I think it's kind of like blood. I don't know. But uh, we, would, we would set that up and we would test those things every day. And uh, it, was, it was weird to, to say the least. And so every day I would go home and, and I'd have bovine serum on my hands and I would just wonder, what is bovine serum? I know it's connected to a cow, but exactly what is going on here? And so that was a job I had for a while. Even after we were married, I paid for my master's. It's good. We're on the other side of it. And I don't like to talk about it. But uh, the, the, probably the, the best and the, the worst job I ever had for a summer, I was able to work uh, at a paintbrush factory. And uh, if you don't know, you're not from the Worcester area, but I am. Worcester brushes are the finest paintbrushes, the BMW of paintbrushes, I like to tell people. And so I got a job there uh, working 
working in the factory one summer. I had to work second shift. Uh, that was the part that was kind of miserable. Kristen was gone and, and on a ministry trip that summer. That was before uh, cell phones had really taken over. And so I would talk to her like once a week for a half hour and just be trapped in this, this factory. And, and so for, for a normal job, maybe you would think you'd work around eight hours. This summer they had decided that there was mandatory overtime. And they had also decided that we didn't get paid uh, for lunch. And so we were working nine and a half hour shifts. Not the end of the world, but the nine and a half hours that I w- would work would be the ones that a college person would like to talk talk to someone in or maybe have a social life. And so that wasn't happening that summer. So I would go in uh, around three and I would get out about 1.30 and and not talk to a soul. And, uh, but I I actually found that I I liked this job. I got put on the assembly line and we were the ones that put together the kits. If you're going to paint your house, you go and get the roller and the tray and everything all in one. And so I would pull out the metal rod and the handle and I would have to put my two fingers in the safety thing and all of a sudden it would press them together and out would pop a paint roller and I'd put it on the assembly line and it would go down and someone else would put it on a tray. And, and uh, as weird and, and as mindless as that was, we we've actually started to, to see that there was a group of us, we were kind of good at this. And, and one week they said, you know, you guys almost broke the record today. And we were like, there's a record? You know, and so, so uh, we had no joy in our lives that year. We were all just like, well, I'm just trying to get back to college, doing this job. And so we were like, we got to break that record, you know, and we became obsessed with that. And so we were, we were like the, the second shift college crew, but there was a crew on first shift and they had been there for like 30 years. And we were like, guys, we got to take them down. We got to make them look bad. And so we became obsessed with this record. And so we started inching closer and closer to it. And one night we were just really in the zone, just really feeling it. Right. And we, and we broke that record and we were like, we can do this every night. And so we just kept breaking the record and breaking the record. We were like the most efficient team ever. And it's funny, the first shift team actually got mad at us because we were making them look bad. And uh, we found out, we started to come in and they were changing our numbers on the production sheet because, because we, we were making them look bad. And so actually they ended up getting in trouble for that. And we all quit and went back to college just in time so that they wouldn't want to key our cars or something terrible. Uh, but but those, are, those are some of the jobs I have. Another job I have right now is being the pastor of this church. I like that job a lot more. Uh, but I wanted to share some of those jobs with you because uh, I think that, that probably the one thing that we have in common in here is that, that all of us have, have done work in some way. Maybe you're, you're currently in a job that you like. Maybe you're currently in a job that you don't like. Maybe you're trying to switch up careers, trying to switch up jobs. Uh, but we've all been in a place uh, where we've, we've looked at what we do and we've just thought, oh, this, is, this is work. And we're in a series talking about the American dream. The American dream, as we, as we said last week, is this set of ideals that Americans have uh, that, that basically says that, that everything should be, should be better, everything should be richer, everything should be fuller, that we can, we, can, we can push and we can aspire for more and more and more, and that's not a bad thing. We are blessed to be a part of the American dream and to dream toward the American dream, but we also shared this quote last week, that the biggest danger isn't failing to achieve the American dream, the biggest danger is achieving a dream that you don't actually believe in. And so I would be willing to bet that there's someone in the room who, who at some point doesn't like their job. Maybe you're in a job that, that you feel stuck in. Maybe you're in a career that you feel stuck in. Maybe you're in the dream job now, but there was a time in your life where you thought you would never break out of that cubicle or, or get off of that crew or, or, or get put to a new shift or be able to get your degree and, and switch jobs. And so as we talk about the American dream being better, richer, fuller, and more and more and more, our careers and our work are a part of the American dream. 
And often we look down on our work, we look down on our careers and we think that's just something I've got to get past. That's something I've got to get to till I retire. That's something that I don't want to have to think about. But today we want to talk about the concept of work and how we can look at work and be excited and feel fulfilled in that. We want to talk about what it looks like for us to know true success as we chase the American dream. And so I want to invite you uh, to open up a Bible if you've got one today. We're going to be in the first chapter of the Bible. We're going to be in Genesis chapter one. It's on page three if you've got one of those Bibles that's underneath your chair or next to your chair there. Would love for you to turn there. Page three, Genesis chapter one, verse one. And we're going to talk about our work, our work ethic, and our careers and the way that we view those things. Sometimes I, I think that, that those of us that know this creation narrative we're going to look at, we think, yeah, Adam and Eve messed up and they sinned. And after that, we have to work and we have to do this. And they're the reason I'm not happy. And yet that's, that's not quite the, the case here. So let's look at Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 to 28. We want to just read this and see some things that God wants to teach us as our, as our American dream takes shape and as work and our career ties into that. So let me read it. Page 3 here, verse 1. Genesis 1, it's the narrative of God creating the world. It says this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. And evening passed and morning came, marking the first day. Then God said, let there be a space between the waters to separate the waters of the heavens from the waters of the earth. And that is what happened. God made the space to separate the waters of the earth from the waters of the heavens. God called the space sky. And evening passed and morning came, marking the second day. Then God said, let the waters beneath the sky flow together into one place so dry ground may appear. And that is what happened. God called the dry ground land and the waters seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land sprout with vegetation, every sort of seed-bearing plant and trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. These seeds will then produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they came. And that is what happened. The land produced vegetation, all sorts of seed-bearing plants and trees with seed-bearing fruit. Their seeds produced plants and trees of the same kind, and God saw that it was good. And evening passed and morning came, marking the third day. Then God said, let the lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night. Let them be signs to mark the seasons, days, and years. Let these lights in the sky shine down on the earth, and that is what happened. God made two great lights, the larger one to govern the day and the smaller one to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set these lights in the sky to light the earth, to govern the day and night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the fourth day. Then God said, let the waters swarm with fish and other life. Let the skies be filled with birds of every kind. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that scurries and swarms in the water and every sort of bird, each producing offspring of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God blessed them, saying, be fruitful and multiply. Let the fish fill the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. And evening passed and morning came, marking the fifth day. Then God said, let the earth produce every sort of animal, each producing offspring of the same kind, livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground, and wild animals. And that is what happened. God made all sorts of wild animals, livestock, and small animals, each able to produce offspring of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. 
Then God said, let us make human beings in our own image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals of the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God said, Look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. And I have given every green plant as food for all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, and the small animals that scurry along the ground, everything that has life. And that is what happened. Then God looked over all that he had made, and he saw that it was very good. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the sixth day. We might not have thought that was a passage that we were going to go to today, and and maybe it's been a while since you've read that whole account of creation, but I think there's a a great foundational principle there as, as we talk about the American dream and as we talk about how our work and our work ethic and our careers fit into the American dream. And so I want to just draw some, some points out there, some things that, that maybe you've seen, but maybe you, you've never noticed. Uh, we, see, we see some steps there that, that really, really affect what we enjoy and what we participate in every day. And so right in verses 3 and 4, you'll see that, that, that God brings light to darkness, right? It says, God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. And so we see in this example very, very literally through creation, we see that God brings light to darkness. Not just that, but we see that God brings order to chaos. In verse 2, we see uh, water mentioned, and also in in verses 6 to 9, it's mentioned there that there was a space between the waters, and God separated those and called them the heavens and, and called one the sky. And so we see God setting some major things in motion. We see that God brings light to darkness. We see that God brings order to chaos. We also see that, that God fills the emptiness, right? As we're watching this creation narrative build, there's nothing, then there's something, and then there's more and more and more. And so we see uh, in verses 11 to 25, there, there was that, that passage where, where God said, I'm going to create plants, I'm going to create vegetation, I'm going to create seed-bearing trees, I'm going to create light, and I'm going to create animals. And so we see God kind of filling in that narrative and filling up that story. And so God brings light to darkness, God brings order to chaos, and, and God fills the emptiness of that story, kind of fills in the gaps there. And not just that, but I want you to take a look at verse 26, because God invites us to join him. Verse 26 said this, if you, I can't remember what it says, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. Now, a few things I, I want to point out there. As we look back on Scripture, we can see the presence of the Trinity. We can see God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and, and we know to, to look on that. And this is one of the verses that, that kind of gives us a, a glimpse into that. When God says, let us make human beings in our image, I'm assuming that you don't refer to yourself 
like that, right? You probably say me and I and my, but maybe if you're talking about your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your family or your husband or your wife, you would say us and our. As God is referring to himself as a perfect three-in-one, we see this plurality here. And so that's just a, a, something I, I wanted to highlight there. But we see that God is inviting us to join in his creation. He's saying, let us make man in our own image We're made in the image of God, and we're made not just in the image of God to to look like him, but to reflect his image. And one of the things that we've just watched his image do and his image create is creation. We see God working. We see God bringing things to completion. We see God making things happen, and we see God bringing light to darkness, bringing order to chaos. We see God filling the emptiness, and so when we're created in the image of God who just did those things, it's, it's basically God's way of saying, you're going to do these things. You're going to reflect these things. I want you to reflect me, and I've done these things, and you too will do these things. And so God brings light to darkness, God brings order to chaos, God fills the emptiness, and God invites us to join him. There's a pastor named Tim Keller who said this, work has dignity because it is something that God does, and because we do it in God's place as his representatives. God inserted us into his creation that he had created He had worked to create his creation. He made us in his image to continue that work and continue to function in his image. And so we have purpose because we can work and we can reflect him. Work is an opportunity to worship. Sometimes we we think of worship as what we do here on a a stage on Sundays. If we're singing, that's worship and that's, that's worship music. That's not really what worship is. Some of you may know this, and yet sometimes we we forget our definitions. Worship is an opportunity to respond to God. And so if God calls us to do something, if God creates something and asks us to follow in his footsteps, any way that we can echo God's creation, any way that we can function in our role in God's creation, in any way that we can respond to God's goodness and respond to his creation is worship. So yes, singing is worship, because we can respond to God and say, God, you are good, you give me joy, I want to sing to you, I want to lift my voice to you. But the way that you work on Tuesday afternoon at 5.30 when your boss makes you stay over and you want to be at home, that's worship too. Work is an opportunity to worship, it's an opportunity to respond to God. God created work, we see, we see God asking Adam and Eve to work in the Garden of Eden, They're asked to reflect God and his creation and his character in that way, and we see them responding, and we're given the same opportunity. Work is an opportunity to worship. Work is not something that happened in the Garden of Eden after Adam and Eve messed up. God didn't say, oh, you guys guys sinned. Now you're going to have to take the trash out every Tuesday. Shouldn't have done that. You You guys dropped the ball. You messed up. Now we see that as sin comes into the world that their work, their work changes and their work is, is complicated and, and so I don't, I don't want to pretend that that's, that's not part of the picture, but work was in the picture, work was in creation long before anybody messed up. Work is part of God's design for you and I and work is an opportunity to worship and respond to God. Tim Keller also says this, 
We are not to choose jobs and conduct our work to fulfill ourselves and accrue power. For being called by God to do something is empowering enough. We're to see work as a way of service to God and our neighbor. And so we should both choose and conduct our work in accordance with that purpose. The questions regarding our choice of work is no longer, what will make me the most money and give me the most status? The question must be, how with my existing abilities and opportunities can I be of greatest service to other people, knowing what I do of God's will and of human need? Your job, your career, the things that you're called to do, the ways that you're asked to work are an opportunity to worship God and respond to God every day. I want to make this point, though, that while work is an opportunity to worship, we shouldn't worship work. Some of the guys in here are already thinking, all right, I think he's talking to me now, right? Maybe, maybe that's a stereotype, but I, I know a lot of guys who define themselves by work. I know girls that, that do that also, and, but I know people who, who, who don't just look at their job and say, that's, that's what I do, that's how I worship God, that's how I respond to God, that's how I get a paycheck, but I know people who define themselves by their work. And when we define ourselves by our work, when we define ourselves by what we do, when we define ourselves by our position or the status or the money that comes with it, we're in danger of of worshiping our work and we shouldn't worship our work. We should worship the creator, but not the creation. And work is part of his creation. It's an opportunity to worship. It is not God. So as we're talking about this, as we're we're saying that God created work, as we're saying that it's good, as we're saying it's an opportunity to worship, at no point are we saying, hey, make sure that your work distracts you and takes your attention off of God and make sure that it inflates your ego and make sure that it comes to define you and make sure that you care a lot about the platform that you can build and and make sure you care about what people think about you and make sure you you really, really buy into your salary and, and who this makes you as a person. We shouldn't worship work. Work isn't separate from God, it's, it's joining him. And so the, the things that we're called to do, the things that we're blessed to do, the things that we're allowed to do to reflect God's character as we function in his plan in, in, in creation, those are, those are the ways that we get to join God in his plan. Yes, there's, there's money attached to it, and yes, there's status attached to it, and yes, there's titles attached to it, and, and yeah, a lot of people are chasing a lot of things, and, and some of those things are, are good things, and those things allow us to provide for our family and have influence, and yet those things are not God. Those things are, are simply God's plan. And God has given us abilities and given us jobs and given us careers and given us people to manage and people that work for us and people that we work for. And he's created this this whole kind of ecosystem, not to distract us, but so that we could join him in his plan for creation. And God created work, God modeled work, and God wants you and I to work. Work isn't God, work isn't evil, it's worship. Sometimes we, we think, all right, work is, work is everything, work is what I have, work is what I know, work is what I can be good at, work is how I can move up the ladder, work is what defines me, and we make work into God. 
Sometimes we go the opposite route and we think, I really wish that I could just be at home with my family and be on vacation and I wish I had enough money that I didn't have to work and we think that that work is so evil and so bad and we look forward to this time that we can retire and stop working and put it all away and not have to do that anymore and and both are extremes and both are ends of the pendulum that are, that are probably too far. God created work. God wants you and I to work. God modeled work. God gives us an opportunity to reflect his character in the way that we work. But God doesn't want us to be distracted by work. And so we can't make work into a God. And we also can't pretend that, that work is this evil thing that, that somehow Satan dreamed up to trap you and I in this nine to five rat race and, and it's terrible and it's distracting and it's the worst thing ever. No, work is our opportunity to join God in his plan and, and to worship him. So as, as we kind of look at this, this passage we look at the, the things that God modeled for us. We look at the ways that God modeled work and work ethic in this process. There's just some questions that I want to ask us as a church. As we pursue the American dream, as we pursue the fact that we want things to be better and richer and fuller, sometimes we're distracted by that, sometimes we're caught up in that. But have you ever entertained the thought that, that maybe God, God put you where he put you in this American dream and in this process because he gave you those abilities and he gave you that opportunity and he gave you that career and he gave you that salary and he gave you that platform of influence and he gave you those people to manage or he has you working under that person in that company for this season for a purpose. And as you do that, you can model his character. See, we see a lot of things in this narrative. And so I want to just ask us, in your job, in your setting, in your cubicle, the shift that you work right now for your small business, for your large corporation, for your part-time job, for your full-time job, on the days that you like it, on the days that you hate it, on the days that you're not sure if you want that or not, are you echoing the things that we see from God in his work, in his creation, in his plan? How do you in your job bring light to darkness? I know what you're thinking. That's an unfair question, Mark, because God literally brought light to darkness. And so it's a little hard to translate to my setting. You don't know, you don't know how much I hate my job. I can't just say, there's the sun. And yet that's what we're called to echo. We're made in the image of God to reflect the character of God. And so how do you bring light to darkness where you are? You might be retired. You might have part-time work. You might not have a job that you like. You might have a career that you hate, and, and you don't just hate it now. You've hated it for 20 years. But how do you bring light to darkness in your career and in your work? How do you respond to the goodness of God and worship every day in that opportunity? How do you bring light to darkness? It doesn't matter if you're a stay-at-home mom, doesn't matter if you work 90 hours a week, the job description and the image that you were created after doesn't change. So how do you bring light to darkness? How do you bring order to chaos? Nowhere in this narrative does it say, you have to like your job 
and you have to walk around with a smile all the time on your face. No, no, we understand that, that there's frustration because sin entered the world. And we see that as Adam and Eve were put out of the Garden of Eden and, and everything wasn't perfect. And yet we're still made in the image of God. We're still called to bring light to darkness. And we're still called to bring order to chaos. So how is your unique situation better because you're in it? How do you bring order to chaos? The chaos of your job might be administration. It might be gossip and drama. It might be terrible systems. It might be that everyone's overworked. I don't, I don't know what the chaos is, but how do you bring order to that? Because we're told that, that self-control and discipline is a fruit of the spirit. And, and so when we're found in Jesus, we should bring order to chaos in the places that God puts us the circles of influence he gives us. So how do you bring order to the chaos of the world and the career and the work that God has put you in? How do you, how do you fill the empty? We see that as, as God created one thing after another, after another, after another, and filled in that narrative and gave it purpose and gave it meaning. And so how do you do that in the world that God has put you in, with the people that God has put you with? How do you fill the emptiness? You probably tell a lot of these questions, the, the answer could be the gospel. How do you bring light to darkness? How do you bring order to chaos? How do you fill the emptiness of the, the place that you may find yourself? How do you do that? In some ways you don't and, and I don't either. If you were made in the image of Mark, you wouldn't do any of those things, all right? But you were made in the image of God. And so as we get to reflect God like a mirror, we get to point people to God, we get to point people to his plan, and we get to point people to his son, and we get to say, yes, life is chaotic, but Jesus is order. Yes, life is dark, but Jesus is light. Yes, life is empty, but Jesus is everything. And so the job that you're in, the career that you're in, the shift that you're on, the part-time work, the full-time work, the things you do at home, the ways that you work and the ways that you respond to God's plan and the ways that you find yourself in God's plan are all an opportunity to worship. They're all an opportunity to point people to Jesus and say, this is empty, this is incomplete, this isn't enough, but Jesus is enough. We can point people to him and say, when life lets us down, when life is too much, he has a plan for us, and he came and gave his life for us. And in the same way that he, he gave his life for us, we can live our lives for him. That's what we're pointing people to. That's what our work and our career and every hour that we spend in our job should be pointing people to, that Jesus is enough. And so how are you doing that this week? Your work ethic is a reflection of how you view God. Not necessarily your success in your job. Not necessarily how many promotions you have, but your work ethic. And when people look at the work ethic of a Christ follower, you don't have to be the best at what you do. You don't have to be perfect at what you do, but you should accomplish this list and people should be able to say that you bring light to darkness, you bring order to chaos, and you fill the emptiness not with yourself, not with your own agenda, not with all the ways that you're good enough, but you fill those things with Jesus and that people can see Jesus in your life and in your work. And so how are you going to work 
this week, in this season of life. We want to be a church and a group of people who are workers. Not just workers because it makes us feel good and it defines us, but we want to be workers because work is our worship and work is our response to God. And we want to live in his plan and bring life to his plan. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the account of creation, Lord. Sometimes we sit back and we look at that and we just marvel at how you created something out of nothing and how you spoke things into existence, God. But, but other times we see different lessons. And so, Lord, thank you for, for pointing out and, and bringing to our attention today, God, that you created work as a way that we can join you and we can reflect you. God, I pray that we will be a church that works in your plan, that exists in your plan and thrives in your plan. God, we want to to insert your son Jesus into the margins, into the places that are empty, into the places that are dark, into the places that are chaotic. God, you sent us in this world and you have us in this world to bring your son into the places you've put us, into the places you've given us influence, Lord. Everything that you have called us to do, we will be able to do in heaven one day, Lord. But the only thing that we can do here on earth that we won't be able to do in heaven is tell people about your son. And so, Lord, I pray that the way that we work, the way that we approach our jobs, the way that we approach our lives and our friendships and and everything that you've called us to reflect your image in, I pray that we will do that in a way that points people to Jesus, points them to a relationship with him. So, God, we just ask that you'll work in our, in our hearts today, Lord. A lot of the things that we do at work are, are not a, a question of ability. They're a question of where our mind is and where our heart is. So God, work in our hearts, work in our minds. Convict us of ways that we're not reflecting your son, of ways that our work ethic is, is not a great response to you. Lord, help us to respond to you in a way that is worthy. God, help us to respond to you and respond to our work as an opportunity for worship. God, we just ask that you'll continue to speak to us and speak through the people that you put in our lives this week. It's in your name I pray. Amen.